conversations with your favorite Voice America show or host. For the latest news, visit the iRadio blog at iradioblog.com. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. There's a strong link between sports and medicine. If you're not at the top of your medical game, you can't play well, or you just can't play. Welcome to Bruce the Sports Doc with medical expert Dr. Bruce Grossinger. This program looks at advances and breakthroughs in medicine and how it relates to sports. Plus, you'll receive preventative tips and analysis of sports injuries this week. Now, here's Bruce the Sports Doc. Welcome to the newest edition of Bruce the Sports Doc. We are pleased today to go live to the Short Hills Hilton for the 25th reunion of the Super Bowl champion New York Giants. First, I'd like to give you perspective on how this all happened. The captain, Harry Carson, interfaced with 3D Productions and Sandy Grossman, Steve Geltman, and Douglas Grossinger. And they decided they were going to get all 60 players and coaches from the New York Giants, including coaches Bill Belichick, Parcells, Phil Sims, LT, and the entire team for a reunion to essentially reenact a team photo at the Meadowlands Complex on Saturday. On Sunday, provide a presentation for the fans, approximately 800 fans. And on Monday, a golf tournament also sponsored by Harry Carson, the captain. Today you will get an insight into that reunion. Your roving cub reporter, that would be me, will go to the Short Hills Hilton, the hospitality suite arranged by 3D Productions, in order to interview some of the key players on that 1986 team. We'll hear from Lionel, the L-Train Manual, who had an eight-year career in the NFL, his remembrances of the Super Bowl season. We'll hear from one of the heroes, the unsung heroes, Bobby Johnson. Bobby had a three-year career in the NFL, and ironically, he went, on top, he went out on top. His last game was in the Super Bowl. However, Bobby will always be remembered as 4th in 17. The improbable 4th down that beat the Minnesota Vikings that enabled them to make the playoffs, to go through the run, eventually meet the Denver Broncos in the Super Bowl, and carry away the hardware that was the Vince Lombardi Trophy. In the third segment today, You'll hear Sandy Grossman, our executive producer, interview Bill Belichick, the coach of the New England Patriots. Bill is the proud owner 
of five Super Bowl rings. Two with the Giants and three with the New England Patriots. Bill will reminisce about the first time in 20 years that he is reunited with his old team. He was the defensive mastermind of the 86 Giants. And he will go through his analysis of the season, beginning with the preseason game against Atlanta and culminating in the Super Bowl victory. As he would say, this was one moment in time and nobody could take this away from him. I think you'll find that Bill is unusually animated and candid about his thoughts about the Giants, his love for the team, and essentially he attributes his coaching opportunity at New England directly to his success at the New York Giants as the defensive coordinator, supervising such Hall of Famers as Carl Banks, Lawrence Taylor, and Jim Burt. So you will hear that interview in segment three. And finally, in segment four, we're going to revisit the World Conference on Sports Medicine. Dr. Joseph Fernandez is going to talk about some very interesting sports injuries. He's going to talk about concussion again, our recurring theme here on Bruce's Sports Talk. He's going to talk about some of the state laws mandating certain ways of treating patients with concussions and the double-edged sword that that may carry for athletic trainers, coaches, and team physicians. He's going to talk about one of the most interesting and cryptic injuries in the sports medicine field. That would be the ACL tear of the knee. And he will talk about controversies in diagnosis and treatment. And he will cite world experts on orthopedic surgery. And he will talk about how in the last 20 years, the ACL tear went from a career-ending injury to one where repair is possible, rehabilitation occurs, and many of these fine athletes are able to return to the field of play, typically in 12 to 16 months. Finally, platelet-rich plasma injections. Try to say that while you're whistling and eating crackers. What that is, is the Tiger Woods procedure. That is where the doctor actually injects the patient's own platelets into a joint, usually a knee, a shoulder, or a hip. And we'll be talking about Tiger's knee surgery, why he did the PRP, and why PRP is one of the most new and exciting treatments for large joint disease. So, get ready to strap up your chin strap. Get ready for the red and blue, the 86 Super Bowl winners. But first, we're going to have a recap of the 2011 NBA Finals. And we're also going to break down what went wrong with the Heat. So again, Spencer, welcome back to the listening audience of Voice America. Well, thank you for having me on the show. Uh, hello, America. It's uh, it's nice to see you again. 
Um, I just want to credit the Dallas Mavericks. I was rooting for them along with Bruce, um, but I thought that the Heat were just too much star power for the Mavs. I thought that Dirk Nowinski, as a super as a superstar, um, would not be able to beat three superstar caliber players in James Wade and Bosh. Um, I'm just astounded, and I can't believe that the Mavs did this. Um, I don't know where to start. Um, but congratulations to Dallas, and uh, let's get to uh, let's get to breaking down the games. Well, firstly, let's look at the MVP, Dirk Nowitzki. At the end of the game, we're looking towards a celebration. Typically, you'll see them all embrace. But what he did was, in a solitary fashion, he had his head down, he had a towel covering his face, and he went into the locker room. Why do you think that happened? Well, I think that this happened because Dirk this has been his dream ever since he was he ever since he was a small boy is to win an NBA championship. And in that moment, he wanted to just get away from the whole scene of, you know, of the crowded uh basketball court. He just wanted to sit by himself and just reflect on what he had just accomplished. Tears were dripping down his face and so, some say he wanted to. He didn't want to shake hands with James and Wade after they said those comments um, about him being sick um, before Game Five. But I just believe that he went into the locker room and he just wanted to have an emotional moment um, with himself and, um, and and just reflect on what he had just accomplished. So it really was an amazing scene. Dirk did come out and join his teammates, and we heard the interview from Jason Kidd. And, uh, Spencer, you and I were there when the Spurs beat the Nets, and we thought it might yes, have been the end. Yes, we were. It, it might have been the end for, uh, for Jason Kidd as far as his chances to win. 38 years old, 17 years in the league, and uh, just to hear him reflect upon what it meant to him was very special for him to finally get the NBA ring. Growing up in Philly – um, with New Jersey just two hours to the north of, uh, of my location. Uh, as a child, I grew up rooting for the New Jersey Nets. Kidd, Jefferson, Kenyon Martin, and Jason Kidd was my hero. Um, and when he lost to the Lakers, I was devastated. And when I was in the Continental Airlines Arena for Game 5, when they lost to the San Antonio Spurs, I just saw a look on Jason's face. And, um, and that team, just growing up, Jason meant so much to me. He really got me into the game of basketball, just running the fast break, just the most poised passer I've ever seen. And the way he gelled with with this Dallas team, hitting timely three-point baskets, and to see him up there crying in tears, just one of the most intelligent basketball players you will ever see, just a class act. And um, I love Jay Kidd, and I always will, always will be my favorite player. One of the most important parts of the series was what Dirk called out Jason Terry. He literally said, the Jet has to be more clutch in the fourth quarter. He didn't use the word choke, but we've seen that before in sports, where he rallied the Jet, and in that last game, particularly the first quarter, you could tell the Jet came out, and he was just there as a men amongst boys. Basically, he was draining all the shots, and I think he gave them momentum in the first half when Dirk was really cold. But there's one thing a shooter does to get out of a slump, and that is to keep shooting. A sniper keeps sniping. 
And in the end, Dirk Nowitzki finally found his touch, and he helped ice it in the fourth quarter. So let's talk a little bit about Jason Terry. Jason the Jet Terry, he got a tattoo on his bicep earlier this season. The NBA trophy on it. He's a very superstitious and has a lot of faith in God. Jason Terry is the heart and soul of this Dallas team. He is the he is the main vocal person in the locker room. He fires up the troops. And really, for the first three games, one of the reasons why I thought Miami was going to have a shot to win was because Jason Terry was really non-existent in the second half, and he wasn't playing like the Jet. He wasn't soaring around the basketball court. He was missing and selling for threes. But when Dirk said that, that really sparked the, the turning point in this series. And Jason Terry... Um, the way he stepped up in game six, he could taste the NBA championship, scoring 19 first-half points while Dirk went one for 12. Who would think that Dallas would be up at the end of the first half when Dirk shoots one for 12, and that's due to Jason Terry scoring 27 points? He really, with the emergence of Terry, that propelled Dallas over the top. Jason Terry the most determined player in the league to win a championship this year. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Dr. Bruce Grossinger is a board-certified neurologist and managing partner of Grossinger Neuropain Specialist. Serving the Philadelphia and Wilmington, Delaware areas in the fields of sports medicine, pain management, interventional spinal surgeries, and occupational medicine, Dr. Bruce is the director of the National Sports Concussion Program and works as a senior medical advisor for the National High School Coaches Association. We're involved in the propagation of increased safety measures in all levels of sports participation to render the games safer in terms of brain and spinal Injuries. This involves education of athletes, parents, trainers, coaches, and administrators at the amateur and professional levels. Clinical consultations and treatment can be scheduled directly with Dr. Grossinger at 610-521-6063. Visit Dr. Bruce online at brucethesportsdoc.com. Again, for consultations and treatment, call 610-521-6063 or visit brucethesportsdoc.com. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You are listening to Bruce the Sports Doc with Dr. Bruce Grossinger. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call in at 1 888 346 9144. That's 1 888 346 9144. Or send an email to bruce at brucethesportsdoc.com. Now, back to the show. Here we are, and we are in New Jersey. We're in Short Hills Hilton, and I'm with my friend Lionel L. Train Manual, and we were just going through some reminiscences about the Super Bowl, and it's interesting being part of the 86 Super Bowl Giants team, he's been asked a million times about what it meant to him. And today, now that there's a reunion, literally of almost every player and coach, he's able to answer the question. 
And wait, so we're going to ask you the question for a million and one time. For the listening audience here at Voice America Sports, L-Train, tell us about what today meant to you. Well, you know what? This being my million, millionth and one response, this is, I really feel that after today, seeing the players, the coaches, the owners, the support after 25 years, that's what Super Bowl 21, 1986, that's what it's all about. You know, it has nothing to do with the game. The game was the start of what we're going through today, the celebration of our 25th anniversary. It's amazing, you know, and you had a very long career, I must tell you. The average the average length of a career in the NFL is three years. You played from 84 to 92, so you have the perspective. And one thing that L. Chen was telling me before is, after they won the Super Bowl, guess what? Right back to training camp, right back to playing. And Lionel had... In his fourth game, he hurt his knee, but he was able to come back against Washington in the playoffs. He was able to help the team get to the Super Bowl. And after that, tell me about the rest, what it was like for the rest of your career up through 92 as a wide receiver. Tell us a bit about that. Well, you know, like in anything, you know, uh, first thing of all, you, you get older. You become older. <laughs> you become a leader with more responsibilities. But once again... It's job as usual. You wake up, 8 o'clock, you're at the stadium. You know, you go through the regiment, 6 o'clock, you, you, you go home and you relax and you still study. And, you know, but like I say, nothing can compare to what we went through in 1986. And it is not just the year 1986. It's how we've come together from 1986 to 2011. I mean, we're still taking care of one another. We're still reassuring each other that we're, that we're doing the right things in life, making the right choices. We're taking care of each other's kids, family, the support groups. You know, that's that's what it, that's what a championship team is all about. It's, it's more than just the event of that day. But you don't know these things until you live that life. And it was like today when I saw literally, except for five individuals we were all here together all shedding tears that was it was a big event and i know we we talked about your roommate bobby johnson who we're going to be interviewing later i hear bobby had a really important catch in one of the games and i know that you must have really enjoyed that i think it was a minnesota game he really helped extend the uh the season you could you share your remembrances about that oh oh i definitely <laughs> the one way i remember that experience because i was at home watching it on television I wasn't able to participate, but him being my roommate, supporting him all the way through. Without Bobby making that catch, there wouldn't have been. Well, I can't say it wouldn't have been, but that was a big part of us continuing our regular season at 14 and 2. Right, and as far as uh, we were talking about Coach Parcells and his legacy and how many coaches he spawned. So if you could just share that, obviously, Coach Parcells is a legend. And um, he's a reputation as, as being a strict person, a disciplinarian, a tough guy. And uh, Coach Belichick, who obviously uh, is, is, in a, is in the same class of, I would consider, definitely a Hall of Fame coach. Uh, and you being or the offensive side of the ball, so you probably didn't have as much direct experience with Belichick there. Tell us about what it was like to interact with the coaches 
and what you feel Coach Parcells' legacy is? Well, you know, Coach Parcells in, in particular, that's one of those questions that we get all the time outside of the, the, the experience that we've got, you know, from the Super Bowl. Uh, how was Bill Parcells? You know, my response to that is something I've learned over the years, like my father. So, you know, I was one of those guys, you know, any, any kid, you're growing up, you listen to your father. And when I had my first child, my first son, I called my father. I said, Pops, I understand. Same thing with Bill. When I first got into coaching, I really understood what Bill was talking about when I got into coaching. That's like, so when you talk about Bill Parcells, you know, we rarely get with him. He's a master of producing coaches. That's what people don't understand about this man. This man is so so personal in, in building character, not in just players, but in the coaching as well. Like he kind of I also had a coach of Pete Carroll. And that's what he's trying to institute out there with this like I say, whether it's a, a no cur- cursing rule that he has amongst his coaches. But it's it's, it's those type of things that that you're in still with, that you carry on and you bring it on to your, your, your kids. Right. With, with, with Coach Carroll, I think that his, he's so enthusiastic. When I, as a fan, I see him running up and down the sidelines, high-fiving, you know, in college and also, obviously, the pros. So I think that kind of love for the game, and that's what we're talking about here, that's what we're celebrating in this weekend, is the love for the game. But the game really is about the people. It's about the people seeing everybody come back. LT sitting right there, and he's just talking to everybody. And uh, Coach Belichick's back, and he said that Belichick said that without this Giants experience, he may not have ever gotten that job as a Patriots. Well, that's, that's you said you said it right there. It is for the love of the game, which to me personally, I don't see today, but it's also. The love of the people. I mean, I, I heard you know, a long time ago from a person who was well off. It takes a, a community to, to become wealthy. It, it, it takes a community to raise children. You know, we're about community. We're about family. And we all have stories. We do have our ups and downs. But, you know, for what was instilled to us through the Giants organization, that's all we hold dearly. And it starts from even beyond ourselves. It's from the, the, the Mara family. The, the, the Mara family, it starts from the ownership. You know, ownership is not just, just with us. Ownership, it starts from the owners themselves. And that's very important, you know, versus, you know, your dot-com systems today who run organizations. You know, that's what the Giants were all about. You know, we're all about family. And what we take from our giant family, we instill in our personal family. Well, I, I definitely would say that, you know, being an observer of the NFL, the Mara family, the Giants, and even the legacy to the current players, there's a line that runs through Eli Manning, through you guys, and this is your time. This is your time to shine. And uh, Lyle L. Train, Manuel, uh, we really are glad to have you on. And uh, we're going to bring you into our studio at the Valley of the Sun. And, Voice America, and we have a lot to offer, and we really appreciate your opinion today. Thank you so much. Thank you. This is your opportunity to get. So here we are. We have a world-class photographer, Wendy Badman. She is there, photos by Wendy, with our boy, Bobby Johnson, our man, 
BJ. BJ is in the house. He's here, man. In the house. We're getting loose here at the Short Hills Hinton here. It's American Sports here. And we're here with Bobby. And we want to talk about his remembrances of the 86 team, the Super Bowl, and what it was like to experience it with his teammates today. My best moment was fourth and seventeen, like she said. I mean, everybody talks about it. That's all they talk about. And I don't think they remember anything else. <laughs> so, what was it like? So, what were your thoughts about it? Did you? I mean, fourth and seventeen. The chances of, of securing that ball. Are, what, what? Tell me about the pattern you ran and, and, and your thoughts about fourth and seventeen. I say uh, people make it like it's a big deal. To me, it was just a normal play. All I had to do was my job, and that's what I did. And Phil Sim threw me the ball. Simple as that. It was, it was nothing different, nothing spectacular. How important did you know that it made? Did you know it made a difference? I, no, I really did. Well, Bobby, you're, you're a humble gentleman. Yeah. We know that. I really am. You, you, mean, you are a humble guy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I didn't know it made a difference until years later. You know what I mean? I was just doing what I had to do. Looking back 25 years later, what does it feel like now knowing that that made the difference? It's a big play. It's a big play now. It truly is. Yeah, people in my job in Tennessee talk about it. So I know it's a big play. That's great. So tell us about what it's like. I bet there are some people you haven't connected with in a while. What's it like for you guys to all come together today? It's like a band of brothers. I mean, we all know each other. We're all close. That's what made our team special. You know what I mean? No confrontations, no egos, no nothing. We all came together when it was time to come together. Fantastic. It, it played for Coach Parcells, who's a Hall of Famer, uh, definitely a guy who knows how to run a coaching staff. And that's the thing we heard when we talked to the L train. He said he's like the president. He's the chairman of the board. So you don't always deal with the president, but the fact is he, he runs the place like a corporation. So tell us about Parcells. What was it like? What Parcells said, it, it's done. Parcells like the daddy. You know what I mean? He's like Obama. Like Clinton, like Bush, whatever Parcells said had to be done. I mean, no, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Parcells meant what he said. That's Simple right. as that. That's what, that's what we're definitely hearing, you know. And uh, tell us, you're living in Tennessee now? Yes, sir. And uh, so tell us a bit about how, how long did you play in the league? How many years? I played three years. You played three years of the league. My last game was actually Super Bowl Twenty One. That was my last game. So that's your last game. So you went out in style. I went out in style. So there's a lot of good people. Oh yeah. Who go who go out? You went out as a winner. Yes, sir. That's a uh, that's like David Robinson. Yeah. Everybody, say, everybody Robinson? can't say that a champion in their last game. Yeah. Everybody can't say that. Well, that's wonderful. Well, it's so great to talk to you. We appreciate your time today, and uh, thank you so much, Bobby. You're welcome. Anytime. Thank you, buddy. Thank you. That's great. That's See, great. I didn't know that. I didn't know it was your last game. Oh, my last game. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. 
Dr. Bruce Grossinger is a board-certified neurologist and managing partner of Grossinger Neuropain Specialist. Serving the Philadelphia and Wilmington, Delaware areas in the fields of sports medicine, pain management, interventional spinal surgeries, and occupational medicine. Dr. Bruce is the director of the National Sports Concussion Program and works as a senior medical advisor for the National High School Coaches Association. We're involved in the propagation of increased safety measures in all levels of sports participation to render the games safer in terms of brain and spinal injuries. This involves education of athletes, parents, trainers, coaches, and administrators at the amateur and professional levels. Clinical consultations and treatment can be scheduled directly with Dr. Grossinger at 610-521-6063. Visit Dr. Bruce online at brucethesportsdoc.com. Again, for consultations and treatment, call 610-521-6063 or visit brucethesportsdoc.com. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You are listening to Bruce the Sports Doc with Dr. Bruce Grossinger. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call in at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to bruce at brucethesportsdoc.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Voice America Sports. You just heard a nice compendium of interviews of New York Giants players celebrating the 25th year anniversary of their Super Bowl victory against the Denver Broncos back in 1986. The defensive mastermind of that team was Bill Belichick, well-known as the current coach of the New England Patriots. Belichick has five Super Bowl rings. This is the first time in many years that he's rejoined his former Giants teammates, including coach Bill Parcells and the players from the defensive side of the ball. We hear Sandy Grossman interviewing Bill Belichick. Enjoy the year from Harry reunion coming. What's your reaction? Uh, excitement. Uh, a lot of great memories from the uh, the '86 season. It's been so long, but it was such a special team and uh, a special time to um, you know, and for all of us to come back together again and, and to see each other after after 25 years. Um, it's, it's really uplifting, and it's been a great weekend. Is there any common thread of what people are saying to you, all the players? Uh, I think it's, uh, yeah, I, I think the common thread is, you know, A, it's good to be back together and see each other again, and, and B, just how unselfish and, and what a close-knit team this was. And uh, uh, I think that, that you, you, that's come out as well this weekend. You've been with a couple of teams, and I was telling you that it just seems like it's an unusual situation in this day and age, or it's 25 years ago, that, that, that there was such a love affair among those players and how they bonded and everything else. It's just kind of interesting to see and be part of well, yeah, it really was. I mean, first of all, to start with, there was a lot of great players on that team, and, and we had some outstanding, talented players. But the chemistry of the team and, and their ability to work with each other and, and really go out and compete. I mean, they love to compete. They love to play. They love to, <clears throat> they love to compete. They love to play. And we saw that every day on the practice field as well as you know, on Sundays competitively against our opponents. But uh, those guys love football, and uh, they had a lot of fun playing, and they played hard. Uh, and they obviously played very well. 
Did you ever oh, take? Let me stop one sec. Ted, flip channel one to external. It's okay. It was just your mic. Okay. The camera mic was on. I was picking up your questions, okay. but just fix it um, quick. You all set? Uh, channel one to rear. Yep, we're good. Sorry. Okay. This, this is a question. Would you ever take your team to Pace University? Well, it was, um, you know, it was just a different time then. It really was. It was, it was not really big enough, uh, but in its own way, it was, um, it, it brought everything closer together. It wasn't a, you know, training camp wasn't real comfortable, and, and I don't think it was supposed to be then. It was supposed to be a little bit of a, you know, a challenge and, um, some discomfort putting up with uh, less than ideal conditions and then you move in a giant stadium which at that point was you know one of the top facilities in in the league and uh, you really appreciated the the offices the spacious locker rooms the meeting rooms the video facilities the training room all those things uh, that weren't there for training camp uh, training camp was more Spartan like uh, but you know I think there was a place for that too I think it probably made all of us appreciate uh, Appreciate the stadium, and, and it probably toughened the team up a little bit. Most of the guys at the team mentioned the geese droppings. There was a lot of that. <laughs> <laughs> there was a lot of geese droppings. The field was tight. You, know, you, you, know, you kind of run into the fence. There wasn't a lot of space out on sidelines. Um, it was, uh, as I said, it was, uh, it was Spartan. There was just one heating system in the building, so the air conditioning to keep the locker room cool because of the number of players down there and, and the heat and everything in the locker room, you had to have it up full blast. So that meant if you were upstairs in the building, um, you know, it was like Antarctica. You know, it was just, you know, 35 degrees. You're walking around with sweatshirts and, uh, you know, wool caps and everything else trying to keep warm. So it was, uh, you know, it's a little too cool. They also talk about at the end of practice, certain drills, whether it be goal line, whether it be the uh, helmet to helmet, whatever it was. Is that just something, what was that designed to do? Well, I think, uh, you know, Bill uh, set up those practices so we would finish with live competitive practice on the goal line at the end of practice. So practice would build up. You do individual drills and you do some uh, group drills where the, you know, receivers are working against the DBs and so forth. And you do some team drills. But then it would finish with, you know, competitive live goal line. So, um, you know, four or five, six plays on the goal line, offense against defense. Those guys had a lot of pride, and, and uh, you know, offensive guys wanted to score, and defensive guys wanted to stop them. And it was, you know, good, clean, hard football, uh, very competitive. And, and, again, it was a great way to end practice because it, you know, had a lot of energy and it had a high level of competitiveness. You go ahead and you win a Super Bowl. How did that affect the rest, rest of your coaching career? Um... How did it affect the rest of my coaching career? I never thought about that one. Uh, let's see. You know, uh, I'd say the main thing is it just gives you that satisfaction and gratification uh, that you've accomplished it. You know, like you can never take that away. You earned it. It's something that you can't buy. You can't. Uh, you know, you, you, you've got to earn it. You've got to go out there and competitively beat the San Francisco's and the Washington's and the Denver's and, and all the challengers along the way to get there. And that's what makes it so special. So uh, I think the, the feeling of pride and accomplishment uh, and the sense of that team, that time, 
is, is really special. Uh, you know, I think as a coach, you learn from every season, you learn from every game, you learn from every situation. And so that, that's a part of it. But, you know, I mean, I learned things in 84 and 85 as well as 86 that have helped me along in my coaching career. But I think the, the pride of the achievement of that season is, is something that you always carry with you. And I guess it always gives you a little confidence that, you know, you've done it. I mean, at least you're not going through your whole career saying, well, you know, we never really won the big game, the championship. Um, fortunately, I've, I've been able to, to say that I've won five of those. So, you know, that's, that's a very good feeling. I see you're wearing both rings today. I am. You don't get a chance. When do you wear those? Hardly ever. Uh, the the three Super Bowl rings uh, from New England, kind of on the the times when we've given out, you know, the the, the ring ceremonies at the end of the year. And uh, I don't think I've had probably the Giants rings on in Giants company since uh, since '90. So that's been, you know, 20 years. When you put it on, does it bring back some memories. Oh, it sure does. Yeah, absolutely. You look at those rings and, and you see, uh, you know, a year of work, really. You know, it's a body of work. It's, it's their spring preparation, uh, the draft, the spring mini camps, training camp, uh, all, the, all the regular season games and, and your regular season record that put you in the playoffs and then, you know, the playoff wins and, and all the Super Bowl wins. And, and you, you see uh, in a reflection of that, that trophy, you see the, the faces of of the players that you coached and and the coaches that you coached with and all the other people in the organization that supported you the video people the trainers the um, you know the support staff uh, so forth all those people and and realize what a team effort it took to you know to get that you had some unbelievably talented defensive players oh my god what was that like <laughs> uh, maybe a good coach <laughs> we had we had so many good defensive players. It was really, um, it, was, it was it was a great thrill as a coach to be able to work with that type of talent. We had, you know, Jim Burt and and Eric Howard as a backup, and, and Eric, you know, really went on to have a tremendous NFL career. You know, one of the best players in his era, and the defensive line of you know Dorsey and and Leonard Marshall and George Martin. You know, it was a, I mean, those three guys, Curtis McGriff in the running game, I mean, they were very talented players. Uh, the linebacker core was truly special. I mean, you're talking about two Hall of Famers with Carson and Taylor. Uh, Carl Banks, who, you know, has got to be right there amongst the best players in the league at that time. Uh, Pepper Johnson, uh, you know, another tremendous player that, you know, probably didn't get the credit that he deserved because of the people around him. Uh, it was just, you know, an outstanding group. And, and the secondary you know, Terry Kennard was, was one of the best safeties I've ever coached. Uh, he got hurt in the 86 season, and Herb Wells stepped in and, and played very well in, in his role when he had an opportunity. Kenny, of course, Mark Collins, and, and uh, Perry Williams on the corner. So it was, it was a solid group with a lot of confidence, guys that were very good in the kicking game that came out of that group too, uh, you know, like Lasker in the 86 team, and uh, Elvis Patterson, obviously. Uh, another very talented player that uh, you know gave us plays in the kicking game as well as defense. So it was a strong group. But that front seven, I would say that uh, you know they were almost borderline unblockable. And then um, Byron Hunt and Andy Hedden with the other outside linebackers behind Taylor and Banks, you know probably could have played for just about anybody in the league. And and we were fortunate to have them as you know depth at linebacker position, even though they played in some sub situations and goal line and things like that. But uh, in all honesty, they probably could have started for you know two thirds of the teams in the league. So it was a tremendous collection of talent that uh, 
you know, that Bill and, and the personnel staff have put together. With that in mind, you go to your next coaching job. I mean, now you're saying, okay, what do I have? How do you, how do you, how do you approach it? How do you turn it around? I mean, you don't have those same people anymore. Yeah, well, I mean, I think you got to recognize that, that that's a special group. I don't know if anybody, you know, had those people, you know, or, or any teams had, you know, a comparable group of, of uh, players like that at those at that front seven, you know, with the linebackers and the defensive line. I mean, it was a, a tremendous collection of talent at, at those positions. And, uh, you know, and one of the things that was really interesting, I mean, I'll never forget this as a coach, is just all those days in training camp and in practice of, of watching Mark Bavaro go against Carl Banks and Lawrence Taylor. I mean, the fans, you know, didn't get a chance to see that. You know, on Sunday you're seeing Mark Bavaro block somebody else or Lawrence Taylor pass rush against somebody else. Or, But, you know, day after day in practice, I mean, those guys went against each other and there was nobody better than any of them. I mean, nobody could block better than Bavaro and, and Taylor and Banks. I mean, were as good as there was, you know, playing a tight end. And, and um, you know, I really think Mark Bavaro is a guy that, that from what I – what I saw, what I know of professional football, I mean, that's a Hall of Fame tight end. And the number of times that, that he blocked Reggie White one-on-one -on -one with no help uh, is, you know, better than anybody else has done, better than most tackles and guards have done against Reggie White. And, but I saw him do that competitively against Taylor and Banks. I mean, those were great battles. And um, it, was, it was a tremendous uh, tribute, I think, to the talent that we had on that football team. He said he modeled himself against guys like Ditka, people like that. Well, uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't coach against Ditka. Uh, you know, he was out of the league. He was a coach by the time I came into the league. So, you know, I can't really comment too much about him as a player. But I don't think there are any better blocking tight ends than Mark Bavaro. There may be as good. I don't think there were any better uh, because he was strong enough to handle the Reggie Whites and, and the big defensive ends out there. And he was athletic enough to, to block the Lawrence Taylors and the Carl Bankses and you know, guys like that. I mean, there's some great outside linebackers that during that era, you know, Ricky Jackson and um, right down the line, Charles Mann, Dexter Manley at Washington. Uh, so there were, there were a lot of good outside players, Fred Dean, all those guys, you know, he, and, and he never got any help. And the Giants were an off-tackle running team. I mean, they ran behind him. They didn't run away from him. So, um, you know, he was pretty special and then athletic to make plays in the passing game down the field. Uh, which Phil Sims and, and Bavaro, you know, hit those seam passes, you know, down in the red area and in the 20 to 30 yard line. And, and again, we saw those day after day in practice and we knew they were coming and we had good players covering them. And again, they, you know, they, we, we had a hard time stopping them in practice. So, um, you know, going against Sims and Bavaro and, and guys like that every day in practice, you know, definitely made our defense better too. Now the weekend just about over. Guys going back their own ways. Yeah. What are your thoughts? Uh, touch of sadness, but happiness that it all came together and, and we were able to you know share and enjoy the experiences uh, after 25 years. It was a special team, and and again our achievement was was so special that year. Um, you know we're a part of it. Nobody will ever be able to take it away from us, and, and it'll only belong to us. Nobody else can really enter that circle. So. Uh, it makes it special. Uh, sad to see everybody go, but at the same time, uh, that's life. You know, we've all moved on, but you know, these guys have done well. You know, they've. Uh, you, 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 I remember these guys coming in as as rookies. You know, Jim Burt and 
Uh, Harry was there when I got there. George was there when I got there. But most of the rest of them, Lawrence coming in as a rookie, and Jim Bird, and and Pepper, and Mark Collins, and you know all those guys, Carl, and and they've just become such men, you know, in in every sense of the word. They've accomplished so much, um, both in and out of football, and you know, with their personal lives and their families, and and so it's just you know awesome the way that they've they've grown and. Uh, they've made great contributions to the game and, and to that team and, and to me personally. And, and I know that I'm a much better coach for having been with them. And, and the fact of the matter is I probably wouldn't have gotten the opportunities that I did in coaching without um, great plays from Harry and Lawrence and George and, you know, Pepper and Carl and Jim Bird and, and all the rest of them. I mean, they, you know, they've made me look like a good coach. You sound like a proud father. <laughs> well... It's funny because at that time, I, you know, George and Harry were actually older than I was. Uh, and then, you know, the other kids came in, but I was only a few years older than them. I came to the, you know, the Giants when I was, what, 28, 29. It was my first year there. So, um, you know, Sims and I came in that year in 79. Sims was, you know, a draft choice in April, and, and I came in there in February. So, um, you know, we were there to, I mean, we literally grew, grew through that, that organization together until I left after the 90 season. And uh, so in some cases, it's, it's a fatherhood kind of thing. But in another case, it's, it's almost like a brother, you know, because you're, you're kind of at a comparable age. And, and you know, I was go- going through the, my career uh, as a coach as they were going through theirs as opposed to, um uh, say the way it is now at New England where I, you know, the head coach, but now, you know, my career had already been, you know, pretty, you know, established to a degree with my other, my other, you know, jobs. Great. Thank you very much. You're welcome. No, you're welcome. Fun to do. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Dr. Bruce Grossinger is a board-certified neurologist and managing partner of Grossinger Neuropain Specialist. Serving the Philadelphia and Wilmington, Delaware areas in the fields of sports medicine, pain management, interventional spinal surgeries, and occupational medicine, Dr. Bruce is the director of the National Sports Concussion Program and works as a senior medical advisor for the National High School Coaches Association. We're involved in the propagation of increased safety measures in all levels of sports participation to render the games safer in terms of brain and spinal injury. This involves education of athletes, parents, trainers, coaches, and administrators at the amateur and professional levels. Clinical consultations and treatment can be scheduled directly with Dr. Grossinger at 610-521-6063. Visit Dr. Bruce online at brucethesportsdoc.com. Again, for consultations and treatment, call 610-521-6063 or visit brucethesportsdoc.com. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You are listening to Bruce the Sports Doc with Dr. Bruce Grossinger. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call in at 1 888 346 9144. That's 1 888 346 9144. Or send an email to Bruce at BruceTheSportsDoc.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the fourth and final segment of Bruce the Sports Doc. I'm your host, Dr. Bruce Grossinger. 
I hope you've enjoyed listening to Coach Belichick, the players from the 86 Giants, and it's a tough act to follow. But we're going to do it anyway. We're here in studio with my partner in crime. I'm Batman, and he's Zorro. And this is Dr. Joe Fernandez, who is a sports medicine doctor from Rutgers University. Last week, we talked about concussion. This week, at the last segment, we want to talk about the most intriguing injury in sports, which is the ACL injury. Dr. Fernandez, what is an ACL injury? Uh, it's very simple. But first, thank you for having me back. It's great to be a partner in crime with you. ACL injury, uh, first, the anterior crusade ligament, what it is, uh, is one of the four major ligaments that provide stability to the knee joint. And it's like, a, to people to understand, it's like a very hard fibrous band attached bone to bone. So what is the function of the ACL? What, why do we need an ACL anyway? What does it do? Well, uh, it's a lot of controversial still to find out exactly what the, the function of the ACL is. A lot of research and a lot of debate, which I found really interesting. But what we know is that the ACL prevents excessive motion of the knee joint. So the, the, the knee joint have a more, uh, exactly motion. It's, it's not going anywhere more than that. And the second function uh, is to keep the lower leg, which is the tibia bone, from sliding too far forward. So it's got a little motion forward, but it doesn't go too far away. So we learned about the ACL. And in fact, the drawer sign is when we, we pull the knee forward. If the, if the knee slides all the way forward, that means that you've lost the integrity of the ACL. Exactly, exactly. And, and it's very important you mentioned that. When we talk about the four ligaments, we got two ligaments on the side, so the knee is not going anywhere inside or out or, or, or lateral, medial or lateral. And the two inside ligaments, which is the most important, which is the ACL, provide stability to the tibia to go forward. And the PCL, which is the posterior crusade ligament, prevents the tibia to go backwards. So when we do anterior drawer test, which is, we do it in the silent when the injury have when the athlete have the injuries the the best way to do is right away. What we try to do is slide the tibia forward. So we stabilize the femur and push the tibia forward to see it's a slide more than usual. So if it slides forward and, and there's so you feel that the ACL is torn um, again, that leads me to the next question, which is exactly. What causes an ACL injury? Mm-hmm. And talk about the common sports where there's an ACL injury, and particularly you, Dr. Fernandez, played professional football for 15 years. So you want to hear certainly about your sport, about a lot of our fans. We're, we're football crazy here on Voice <laughs> America Sports, Bruce the Sports Doc. So let's talk about what sports cause ACL injuries, and also tell us what kind of plays cause ACL injuries. Uh, very, very, very good question. Uh, what are the most common sports? Well, our favorite sport, football. It's one of the most common sports that we're going to see that injury, but it's not the only sport. Uh, soccer is very, very common injury, and basketball, too. Why does sports are characteristic and have this kind of injury? It's because it's involved in any sport that involves in sudden change on direction. So any sport that you think that you have to stop and change direction really quickly have a high probability to, to, to have an ACL injury. It's very intriguing because it's an injury that most commonly happens as a non-contact. 
So much like when I uh, I tore my Achilles, and an Achilles injury is um, is similar. I think it's analogous in the sense that I remember playing basketball, mm-hmm. and it felt like somebody hit me with a wooden two by four, and I looked around to see who was that nice person who did that, and nobody was there. So it was just a cut. So you're saying it's kind of the same type of thing. It's that a lot of time it's a cut. It's not always getting hit. It has to do with the sudden change in velocity or acceleration that causes the ACL tear. Exactly. Uh, but very, very good that you put that example because a lot of patients that have a Achilles tendon tear is very similar because they, they hear and feel like a pop. And it's the pop of the ligament popping out. And what it happened is it happened a lot with twisting motion, which means when, when the athlete is planting his foot, looking in one direction and trying to twist the body so the knee is looking in the opposite way. And also happen a lot when the, when the athlete jump and land in not the right way because it's a right way to land that we need to teach the athlete to do. And this is, uh, this is come with proprioception and neuro, neuromuscular stimulation that we can talk about later. Right. So as far as if I'm watching a game on TV mm-hmm. and we talked about football, what types of plays, you know, is it, is it special teams, is it offense, uh, is it the quarterback? Tell us specifically in football, what kind of plays are more likely to cause an ACL tear of the knee? All right. Um, I think the position that are more predisposed, uh, for example, are the running backs. Why? They always have the ball, and they always change their direction. And you see, like, Barry Sanders used to do it with such a nature, but his body composition it was such a good anatomy that for him it was difficult to happen. But I can say quarterback is a good example. Why quarterback? Because maybe they don't have the strength in the legs that the running back have. They scramble out of the pocket. They running out of bounds. And suddenly decide to stop and go back in like Donovan McNabb when he injured his ACL. And nobody touching. He just suddenly stop and try to change direction. That's it. That's what you need to blow your ACL. That's why it's still a lot of research to find out exactly how the force get together. In, in what exact position so, so that ligament broke? Well, one thing that, uh, that, that I didn't know until I, uh, I read your notes, actually, with the mm-hmm. cheat sheet right here, is that women are actually more likely to tear ACLs. And particularly with respect to your studies of soccer players, what I've learned is that the, uh, the women are more likely to tear that. Um, so, so tell us about that, and, and why, why do you think that is anyway? Well, uh, like we mentioned before, I came to the World uh, Sports Medicine Conference. It's one of the conferences that get more people inside to see because it's still a lot of debate and research going on. And one of the major findings is that, that I found super interesting is that women are three times more likely to have an ACL injury as compared to male. But not just that. Female soccer player is eight times more likely to have an ACL injury as compared to the counterpart of, uh, of the males. Um, why is that? It's a lot of reasons that we can have a new program to talk, but it's a very interesting thing that I think we, we're going to have to repeat in, an, in another program and talk a, little, talk a little more why women have a more predisposition. And uh, it's a very important question that, that I would like to, to answer, and it's, it's how can you prevent it? Yes, how do you... Again, it's, it's a devastating injury. How, how can an athlete prevent it? What kind of activities could they do 
Could you touch upon that in our last you know, b- bit of this? Yeah, perfect. Uh, we are about prevention here and education to our, to our public. And, and this is when we talk about any kind of injury, this is the more important part of the, of the topic. Uh, and so people to listen to those coaches and trainers that they're going to trade the soccer team coming up right now for the, for the new soccer, soccer uh, season, uh, w- what they can do. All right. They have to do drills that require balance, power, and agility. But the most important, when you do that kind of drills, you have to add pilometrics exercise. What is pilometric exercise? It's a jumping, balance, and drills to have improved neuromuscular condition and muscular reaction. All right? So I'm just going to take to the people the Santa Monica ACL Prevention Project developed an ACL injury prevention program that you can go to YouTube or Google and search for it because it's a great program. It takes 15 minutes and you can take, you can improvise and add it to your training for your team and you can, use, you can do it three times a week and it will be great. So that's very important. The Santa Monica ACL Prevention Project. For all of you athletes out there, all of you coaches and trainers, mm-hmm. or people, weekend warriors like ourselves, uh, definitely look for that. I want to uh, give a little bit of a preview for next week's show. Perfect. Next week, we are going to hear an interview with Mark Bavaro, who I believe to be a Hall of Fame tight end, a very soft-spoken, humble guy from New Jersey. We're also, we're also going to speak to uh, – we're going to actually monitor uh, in the room – a conversation between Belichick and Parcells and Sims. And we're also going to see, we won't see anything because we're on the radio, but we're going to hear a Gatorade reenactment where, where Harry Carson actually dumped the Gatorade on, the, uh, on Coach Parcells. So much more of New York Giants, 86 Super Bowl reunion, a lot more sports medicine. Thank you so much for listening to Voice America. Go out and work out. Work out. Thanks for joining the discussion this week on Bruce the Sports Doc. Tune in next Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time for another edition with Dr. Bruce Grossinger on the Voice America Sports Channel. We'll see you then. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.